stunning from my view. Don't know about your lenses, but my, my, my lenses tell me that you look all stunning today. Eh? Um, God bless you, and, and thank you for, for, um, for coming to church today. And um, yeah, just before we, we go through to the Word of God this morning, um, I just have a, an announcement. Um, you might have all noticed that um, Gareth is not here with us today, but um, his um, better half is here in our midst, <laughs> in the middle of the congregation. So I, I gather that, you know, he's also here. He just doesn't know it. <laughs> but yeah, um, Gareth is in Parkhurst this morning, um, he, uh, which is in, in Johannesburg. So he will be in one of our advanced um, partner churches and ministering the word of God there. Um, he's also asked, um, he was also, he's also been asked to share um, our Rick Road journey uh, and inspire them to grow in becoming a more multicultural church. So just know that, um, you, know, you know, people are watching us and um, they aspire to also have what, the, what we have in their churches as well. So just be encouraged, um, brothers and sisters, that it is a great thing that God is doing in our midst. Amen. Um, then tomorrow, Nadine and Gareth, so Nadine is going to be joining Gareth, um, <laughs> and share, they will be sharing on marriage um, to all the elders of Advanced Gauteng. Um, so can we just please have a moment of prayer for them as they go and advance um, God's work there? All right. Father God, we praise your name. There is none like you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you are doing in our midst. Um, we thank you, Lord, Heavenly Father, as Gareth is going to be ministering this morning at Parkhurst, that our Lord, Heavenly Father, you may usher the words, our Lord, Heavenly Father, into his heart, our Lord, Moengwele, that you may anoint his lips, our Lord, Heavenly Father, to speak your message, to speak your message of truth, our Lord, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we pray that those who will be listening will be receptive, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to your word and to your love, O Lord, Moengwele, to your loving grace, mighty God. And we also pray for tomorrow, mighty God, Heavenly Father, as Nadine and Gareth go and strengthen marriages, O Lord, Heavenly Father, and also, Heavenly Father, to, Lord, teach, O Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, O Lord, um, on multicultural gatherings, O Lord, Heavenly Father, the, 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 the incorporation, O Lord, Heavenly Father, and inclusion, O Lord, Heavenly Father, inclusivity of all, O Lord, mighty God, to your loving grace, that, O Lord, Moengwele, they may not lead by their own notions, O Lord, Heavenly Father, or their own knowledge, but they may, may be led by the Holy Spirit. We bless your mighty name, O Lord, Heavenly Father, as they continue to advance the kingdom of God for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, church, um, as you know, we are still, you know, in our Savior series, and um, Prince ministered so beautifully last week um, on the joy of the Lord, which was in Luke 15. And um, really calling us to, to, to find joy in the Lord and not in the things of the world. Um, we know the stories that he related, the parables of Jesus. Um, you know, um, the lady who, who went to look for the one penny and left the other pennies, you know. And what joy she found um, when she had found that one penny. We know also the famous story of the shepherd who went and... In all those stories or in all those parables, it speaks of the heart of Jesus, right? Um, that there is a joy when that one lost soul is found. It repents and um, gains, you gain, gain salvation. 
and what happens in heaven. The Bible says that there is joy in heaven um, over one lost, that, one, one, one soul that has repented um, um, over those who, who have already repented already. So um, that was um, an amazing sermon there, and we continue from that. Today we'll be looking at who will you serve? Transitioning from the joy of the Lord, and today it will be who will you serve, and that is based on Luke 16, verses 1 to 17, and it is Savior 78. Okay, we are, we are going on on our, on our, <laughs> on our messages, and um, yeah, just stay for the road. And um, the Lord will reveal what it is that He has in store for us. Um, so today we'll be covering two concepts. Two concepts being God being your master. Um, and also money at finances being your master as well, right? Um, we'll briefly look at Luke 16 verses 1 to 17. And then we'll dig into those scriptures briefly. Luke 16 um, is the parable of the shrewd manager, right? We'll unpack what the shrewd manager means as well. So Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, What is this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. How's that, eh? Hasn't even heard a report or a report, and already he's threatening um, to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? Then the man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of oil of oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, Take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the, dis- the dishonest rascal. As I had a chuckle at that. For being so shrewd. And it is true, the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your, wor- your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you will be dishonest. Um, Sorry. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth... Who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, in verse 13, for you will hate one and love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. 
The Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all this and scoffed at him. Imagine scoffing a whole God. Then he said to them, You like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your heart. What this world honors in what this world honors is detestable in the in the sight of God. Until John the Baptist, the law of Moses and the messages of the prophets were were your guides. But now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone is eager to get in. But that doesn't mean that the law has lost its force. It's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than the smallest point of God's law to be overturned. Amen. Let us just pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the Lord, bless the reading of your word, mighty God. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you are about to reveal unto us, O Lord, and Father. We pray that our hearts, O Lord, Moengwele, may be soft and receptive, O Lord, and Father, to your guiding and loving grace, O Lord, and Father. We pray that you may speak to us and speak, O Lord, and Father, in a way, Lord, that will move us, O Lord, and Father, to you, mighty God, and Father, not away from you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So, church, um, the parable of, of the shrewd manager, as I, as I mentioned, shrewd um, is a word that has probably got a negative amplifications nowadays and is normally used in a, not, in a negative connotation. Um, it is actually someone who is sharp and intelligent, right? Um, but potentially underhanded at the same time. Right, negative connotation. But in a positive setting, a shrewd person is a person who can understand and judge a situation quickly, then use it to his own advantage. And we will see this in the shrewd manager shortly. So in scripture, we have, we've read and we see that, um, and we will see that the shrewd manager is one who fits this description. Um, he read and judged the situation of being fired quickly, then used the understanding of his job to forge an advantage for himself. Amen. So um, before we dig into uh, the shrewd manager and his dealings um, and his shrewdness, it is also important to understand the background, where Jesus was, what he was doing. Um, it's important that, um, to know that Jesus was, addre was addressing this parable right? Um, the parable was for the benefit of the disciples, but there's also not a, a, a so subtle critique of the Pharisees. So it was a critique to the Pharisees of the time who loved their money, as was evident in Luke 15. So in Luke 15, it reads um, from verses 1 to 6, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Speaking about Jesus. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having, ha having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, just so to tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. 
the heart of Jesus, saints. The heart of Jesus, brothers and sisters, um, that is the heart of Jesus. This speaks of the heart of Jesus for the lost and the heaven mission, which we are all we are all called to aspire in achieving at all costs. Amen. So let us just look briefly at verses one to two, um, as Jesus tells the story to his disciples, that the shrewd manager uh, was just a mere employer. He had um, and um, his master had received a report that this man was wasting or misappropriating his money. Now, I'm sure you all are very familiar with misappropriation, right? I mean, we, we know that our country is mostly in the trouble that it's in because of misappropriation of funds. Um, but we trust God for that, and we continue to pray into that. So the master wanted to see all the financial records um, and told him, he would be fired. So from the onset, he's heard the report, you'll be fired, but I still need an order to be done. And he must submit the records. But in Matthew 6, verse 33, um, it tells us why the street manager is in the position that he's in. He had lost the conviction and the principle of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that would have been added into his life, right? Because if he had managed the, the master's assets well, he wouldn't have found himself in this position. The trouble that is unveiling for itself, in itself here for the manager is because of a lack of being faithful of your God-given stewardship. Stewardship is God-given, and it, 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 it respects, or rather, it, it demands a respect that, it, that is given to, to the person that has been given to it. Um, in verses 3 to 7, um, it reads, The manager thought to himself, Now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. So the, the, the shrewd manager started to panic because he realized, I'm not going to be without a job soon. You know? um, I'll be without work, and this is the only work he's known. Or rather, that his pride has allowed him to, to think that he could do, right? So we learn something of his character as well, that he has pride, right? Because he immediately says, I won't be able to do any other thing besides what I've been doing here. Can't go and dig ditches. I can't go and beg on the streets as well, right? As a result, he devises a plan by further exploiting so it's not enough that he had already, you know, um, got into trouble with his, with his manager. But he continues to exploit his manager's um, resources. He's now gone to, <laughs> to, to his clients now, to his master's clients. And he's now gone to go and form alliances with them. So he's gone to form alliances with them in order to gain favor. So, so that when he's out of work, he may have a roof over his head when he gets fired. Quite shrewd. I hope you understand what shrewd means now, hey? So the shrewd manager was governed by principles and philosophies of this fallen world. So we need not be too surprised, right? Um, we should not be shocked when he acts just like the world. So the shrewd manager bought friends through cancelling a portion of the debtor's debt. And um, 
So when the shoot manager goes and reduces the depth of the debtors by perhaps removing what we see or what we deem was removing the portion that would have been allocated to him. So if the, if the, if the, if the master had said, I will sell um, a, a gallon of oil for 100 rand, he's probably put a markup on it and said 150. And that is the debt that you'll collect, you know, um, that you have to pay back to the master or rather to the manager who was managing his resources at the time. So that he wouldn't cheat his master from receiving. So the shrewd manager re removed that commission so that he wouldn't cheat his master from receiving what was fully due to him, so that he wouldn't have to account and go to jail. So in those days, it was very possible you were found out, either executed on the streets or you go to jail. You know, that, that was the order of the day. The manager didn't own the wealth, right? So he... He, didn't, he wasn't actually in the position to even go and do these transactions because he didn't own the wealth. But he managed the resources to make more money for the rich man or the master. So his sole purpose was to manage these resources and make more money for his master. Um, but he forgot the most important principle, which is to seek God first. Seek the kingdom of God first and all these things will be added unto him. If his master's um, wealth increased, his wealth would have also increased um, as well. Amen. So we'll just look briefly, quickly at um, Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 8, um, which, which reads, Go to the end, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, Yet it stores its provisions in summer, and it gathers its food at harvest. Now, I love that example about the end. So imagine in your kitchen, you've just dropped a pineapple on the floor, and you forgot it there. All of a sudden, you just see these ants marching in, and you don't know where they're coming from, right? Um, whether they be from the garden or, or what have you, but they know that something has been dropped on the floor, and they're going for it, right? Because it's harvest time, you know, it, it's time to collect so that... During the, the, the struggling months, they may be able to, you know, harvest from those resources and be able to live through the winter. And this is the same logic that the shrewd manager implored. He was able to look at um, his situation and say, I'm going to be fired. I'm going to be out of work, but I'm going to utilize a resource that is in front of me so that tomorrow that when I'm fired, I'm going to have a roof over my head. Again, we should not be surprised. It is, um, he was imploring um, what is being said here, right? But now we're going to transition quickly and see how things turn when we allow God to be our master. So when we are stewards of what we have, we know that it all belongs to God. Our time, our talents... Our gifts, our wealth belong to him. And that's that. So one day we'll give an account to God for what we did with life he gave us. Right? How did we use our time? How did, we get, how did we use our gifts, our talents, our resources to invest and advance the kingdom of God? How did we impact the people around us? Our neighbors, our friends, people we work with, the community that we are surrounded by. 
Whom are we serving is the question we should always be asking ourselves. In everything that we do, in everything that we possess, in everything that we utilize, who are we serving? Right? So verses 8 to 9 speaks of how the rich man admired the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd in his ways so that he wouldn't be, you know, thrown into the streets and unspeakable things um, to be done unto him. But Jesus is drawing a contrast here, and he says, the sons of the world, um, unbelievers, and the sons of light, you know, who we believe to be, unbelievers are wiser in the things of the world than believers are about the things of the world to come, all right? So unbelievers are wiser in the things of this world than believers are about the things of the world to come. So what does that mean? We just need to trust in God. We need to seek his kingdom first because we do not know what we, with our possessions, with our time, with our talents and our gifts, um, if we are doing it for our own convictions or to, to, to edify ourselves, it's not contributing anything to the kingdom of God. We are just you know, self-engrossing ourselves and, and we are losing him and we are losing the purpose of his kingdom. So, then we, we should be, as the sons of light, as the disciples of, of Jesus Christ, we should rather be praised for living a life that is worthy to him by the wisdom of heaven. So we do not do these things out of our own wisdom, but we do them by the wisdom that is granted to us by the Father. We must buy every opportunity for God's kingdom, right? So we must make the most of every day. Brothers and sisters, we live in dark times. We have to seize the moment. Every day, every moment, every hour, every minute, we have to seize it for his glory and for his likeness in all people. We must use unrighteous wealth as a daily part of our lives. So it is no secret that the money that we, we earn on a monthly basis or a daily basis, it is unrighteous. It comes from unrighteous methods. Um, but we are in turn are supposed to utilize wisdom in order to edify the kingdom of God. So Jesus Christ in, in, in his parable is, is not promoting unrighteousness but he is promoting wisdom in a righteous world that we live in. Amen. So as we walk through the dark world, we are called, we are called according to the light of the wisdom of God's word, which is, in found, which is found in Psalm 119, verses 103 to 105. How sweet are your words to taste? How, how sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Amen. So that is the wisdom that God gives us in his word. Um, that if we utilize the resources of this world, we, use, we, we utilize our talents, our gifts, and our skills, but we invoke the message of the word, it will bring light into all our dealings. For his glory. Amen. So God's wisdom applies to every part of our lives. The use of earthly wealth has heavenly consequences. We need far more wisdom 
when it comes to money and finances. Amen. Not only do we need wisdom, but we also need to have a change of heart. Our heart's posture must be right. So we are to attain these things. We are to attain the riches and, you know, the glory that we find in this world. But our heart's posture must be right. It must be heavenward. Amen. We only need to look at the Pharisees who scoffed at Jesus and their response to Jesus teaching to what was wrong, not only with them, but the world as a whole, which is found in verse 14. The Pharisees scoffing at Jesus thought if they were wealthy, it was a sign of God's approval. Now, we know very much about this as well. Um, in the churches that we used to um, fellowship in before, um, when a believer was, was struggling, you know, in finances or in, in, in anything that was a lack in their lives, um, immediately the response would be, it was a lack of your faith, right? Um, and that was a hard thing to digest um, because it meant that you had to do introspection that you didn't need to do. Your faith was there. You were praying, you were fasting, you were doing all these things, but yet you're going to be told uh, you are lacking in something, it's either in prayer or in fasting or in works or service even, right? But Jesus tells us a different story, you know, um, that we need to seek him in all things, um, and that our service and um, our prayer, yes, it must be up to par, but we have to trust Him first. Trust Him more and less of the things of the world. Amen. So Matthew 6, verses 20 to 21 reads, Store your treasure, treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. We know a lot about rust in Durban. And thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So we also know the story of Job. That the enemy took away his earthly wealth. He remained, however, steadfast in trusting God. Job uh, is a wonderful testament that um, when you hold on to what is true, when you hold on to what is light, when you hold on to what is life, no matter what the enemy can do, whether he rip your clothes to shreds and take away you know, your livelihood, but if you remain in the truth of who God is, he will never steal your soul. He will never steal your heart. And Job's mission was fulfilled because once the enemy had tried every trick in the book to bring him to his knees and denounce God, he pronounced God even more. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, there will come a time where our earthly wealth will lose all its value as well. So, I'm just going to relate a story here. Someone once said to a pastor, my uncle died a millionaire. And the pastor responded, no, he didn't. The person shot back, how can you say that? You don't even know my uncle. The pastor said, I know, I know no one dies a millionaire. Everyone dies penniless. How's that? That we can attain all, all the wealth in the world, but when our last day is done, we transcend penniless. And what reward will we reap in heaven if not the riches and glory in heaven that our 
Heavenly Father and trust us. So if we utilize our resources, our wealth in this world wisely, no matter the amount, you will reap rewards in heaven if the mission is for his kingdom, if the mission is to glorify him in this moment. Amen. Job 1 verse 21 says, He said, and this is Job, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Let his name be glorified in all things. When all has been taken, praise his name. Let his name be the highest. We need to be good stewards in perilous times, brothers and sisters. We need to see the signs of the times. Now is the time to be mastered by God. Amen. Verse 10 reads, If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are trustworthy about worldly, thing, worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you are faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I'm just going to quickly read um, Matthew 6, verse 24 to 26, which relates what we have just read. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So you cannot serve God but be enslaved to money, which means that if you love money, God takes the back seat, right? That is why I tell you in verse 25, not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, don't we worry about clothes to wear? What well, we do. Isn't life more than food? Oh, food, you know, we love our food. And your body more than clothing. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to Him than they are? You are. You absolutely are. You are more valuable to God than the birds of the air and the animals um, that He so willingly and so gracefully provides for. And they, they never have to worry a single day about the, what they'll eat um, in every hour of every day. So, brothers and sisters, faithfulness begins with the little things. The use of wealth gives talents, I believe, is an indicator of our character. Is our, is our character Christ-centered, or is it centered around the things of the world? That is a question we should be asking ourselves. If one is faithful in little things, then one will be faithful in much. Similarly, if one is dishonest in little, he will also be dishonest in much. If we can't be faithful with earthly wealth, which isn't even ours to begin with, then how are we to be entrusted with true riches? The true riches here is referring to stewardship and responsibility in God's kingdom along with all the accompanying heavenly rewards. So remember we spoke about 
the heavenly rewards, utilizing the resources we have now, the wealth we have now, our resources we have now, in order to fulfill the mission of God. So as we are gathered here, you know, we have utilized resources so that we can be part of this congregation. And whatever we have brought into the house of the Lord will further advance the kingdom of God. We've got Gareth who's in, in Joburg this morning. He's busy advancing the, the kingdom of God through our contributions. And his representation where he is right now is a, is a representation of us. Churches are speaking about Rick Road at the moment because of your contributions. So be encouraged, believers. Amen. Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, as in Matthew 6 verse 25. If God is our master, then our wealth will be at his disposal. In other words, the faithful and just steward whose master is God will employ that wealth in building up the kingdom of God. Amen. Um, we'll just look at our last set of scriptures, which is in verses 14 to, to 17. Um, so in verse 14, the Pharisees who, who dearly loved their money heard all this and scoffed at, him, scoffed at Jesus. So verse 14 speaks about the Pharisees who loved their money. They took exception to Jesus' teaching. So we live in an age, um, brothers and sisters, that measures people by their worth, how much money they make. And, and I, I can so relate to that. Um, there are certain conversations that even I can't be part of because of my financial well-being or status, right? Um, just by people's observation and look in their face, you can, they, you can just see they've already calculated your net worth and they just, nah, put you aside. <laughs> you don't belong here, you know. That's it, done and dusted. I haven't even said anything. Um, but yet the Pharisees did the same thing to Jesus. They scoffed at him. Do you scoff at Jesus? Jesus is warning against serving money. Do we try to explain them away? Do we apply them to someone else and not ourselves? See, brothers and sisters, unless we take Jesus' statement seriously, we may be acting like the Pharisees ourselves. Verse 15, the Pharisees considered their wealth to be a sign of God's approval. So God detested their wealth because it caused them to abandon true devotion and service to God. So you see that God does not detest wealth. He just detests the heart that is attached to wealth. Um, verse 16 and 17, with the arrival of Jesus <clears throat> came the realization of the law. It did not cancel it at all. In Matthew 5 verse 17, we don't mis we don't mis misunderstand why don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. So Jesus came to fulfill the law. So it, it is not to be thrown away, but he came to fulfill it. In Joshua 24 verses 15 to 18, he affirms this as well. But if you if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. 
Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And why I love that scripture and, and, and would love for it to be in the heart of every believer is when we take that stance that me and my family, we will serve the Lord, everything else falls away. God just does it willingly and freely. Um, in fact, if you today, I kid you not, if you walk into my house, you'll find a little signboard in one of the kitchen cupboards there that says the same scripture, <laughs> that me and my family will serve the Lord. I kid you not, you can test me in this. Um, so in verse 16, the people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. Now, this is the heart of the, of the believers. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness amongst our enemies, he preserved us. God can preserve us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. Amen. And I pray that this may be the conviction and the words that we have stored in our hearts, that we will serve God alone. So take away all the things that we have, serve God alone, and then he will give you the wisdom on how to utilize the things that he has entrusted in you. Because you are to be good stewards and not shrewd stewards. Amen. So as we conclude, brothers and sisters, I hope that we have considered carefully who we will serve. Who will we serve today? Today marks another opportunity to relinquish our time, our talents, our skills, and our resources from being mastered by, earthly, by the earthly master and gives an opportunity to choosing God as our master.